was probably about 30 years ago when Vanessa and I were first married that we decided to take a week in vacation in Prince Edward Island. And uh, back in those days, there was no Confederation Bridge, so of course, you were solely dependent on the ferry schedule to get on and off the island. Well, we had concluded our week and had to get back to work, and so it was important that we didn't miss the boat. But as usually happens, you get all packed up and, and heading away late. We were late getting on the road, so I was afraid we were going to miss our boat and be stuck for another night and, and be late for work and so on. And so you might say I kind of slightly exceeded the speed limit, as we uh, sometimes do. And so I'm driving through PEI toward the terminal, and then finally when we veer off the highway on the road that leads to the terminal, uh, I see, to my surprise and thankfulness, that the entire road is clear. So I just took it as a sign from God to speed up because the uh, way was clear for me, and so I began to head down toward the boat, happy though it was going to be very close, that I might actually catch the boat. But as I was driving off from the distance, I could see this car pull over to the side with, with a person standing outside the car, and I wasn't sure what it was, but I continued to drive, and as I got a little bit closer, they were still off in the distance, but the person began to wave, and I'm thinking, oh great, somebody has a car problem, normally I'd be the first one to stop, but I'm looking at my watch, I've got to get there, and Vanessa's kind of upset with me because we left late, and she knows I'm driving too fast, and I shouldn't be, so it wasn't the ideal situation, I'm thinking, man, I'd love to stop and help, but I really can't, and the, the closer I got, it seemed like the more vigorous the man was waving, until finally, I still couldn't quite make out the person who the person was, but I could see them there, and they're in the middle of the road just waving and waving. I'm thinking, this guy is crazy. I'm going to end up hitting him or killing him or whatever, so I slowed down a little bit as I got closer, and as I got close enough, I realized it wasn't just any ordinary person. It was actually a police officer who was standing in the middle of the road waving and screaming at me to slow down and pull over. Well, I did. And uh, long story short, $140 later, <laughs> which translates today to probably 600 bucks. I don't know what the, that was 30 years ago. But I ended up getting a speed ticket, a speeding ticket, and I was, then I was let go to be on my way to the boat. Well, I got to the boat, and guess what happened? No, I wish that it had happened. I actually realized when I got to the boat that I misread the schedule, and I was an hour and a half early. So it wasn't just the fact that I had a $140 ticket in my hand. It wasn't just the fact that I got to the boat early. That wasn't the worst thing for any of you who are married. <laughs> the worst thing was I had an hour and a half to sit in line waiting for the boat while my wife sat there silently looking at me with that look we all understand that says something like this, I married an idiot. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, guys? You see, it's funny how what you think you see can change everything. As soon as I saw who that supposed crazy man was, as soon as he came into clear view, then obviously it changed completely what I saw. And, and what we see really determines what we do. We've heard the expression that perception, you know, perception means everything. I want to ask you this morning, that when you look at Christmas, what do you see? When you look at Christmas, do you see just the gifts? Do you see you know, just the decorations, the tree, as beautiful as things are? Do you just see the anticipation in your children's eyes? What do you see when you look at Christmas? 
when you look at Christmas, do you just see the bills? You know, the bills that are bigger than your bank account. You just see stress because you know that there's so many expectations and you want to do the best that you can, but you really don't have the money. Or maybe you're stressed because you have family coming. Now, we all love our families, but sometimes by the time Christmas hits, you maybe are looking forward to just some downtime. You know, you're looking forward to just kind of crashing, maybe with your spouse or kids, but now you've got family coming as much as you love them. You've got you to clean the house, especially if it's your mother-in-law, right? Ladies, you really got to clean. You know, you got to cook and make all these preparations, or maybe even the fact that you've got your own children out of school and under your feet for a few weeks, maybe that adds a little bit of extra stress to you. Just think about it for a minute. What do you think of when you think of Christmas? What do you see when you see Christmas? You know, for some folks, we all know this very well, Christmas can be a sad time. It can be a time when you feel like you're reminded that you're alone. You know, maybe you're, you're celebrating Christmas for the first time this year without somebody who was here last year, without somebody who was in your life, maybe somebody who passed away, or maybe you're here this morning and this is the first time that you're going to have Christmas in two places. Your children are going to spend Christmas with you, and then they're going to spend Christmas with the person who is now your ex-spouse. And so Christmas can be a sad time for some people. But again, I want to ask us this morning, whatever you see, is, is that all you see for Christmas? We've been talking about in this series that we've called Fresh Eyes, seeing Christmas differently. We began it about four weeks ago with, with looking at Christmas through the eyes of Mary, the earthly mother of Jesus. We talked about looking at Christmas through the eyes of of the shepherds and what they saw. Last week we talked about the Magi, and, and I trust we've been gleaning different perspectives from these messages. But this morning I want to look at the perspective that I've really been looking forward to sharing most of all, and that is to see what heaven saw. To really look at Christmas in the way that heaven saw, because I believe, as I have in the caption up there, that if we could see what heaven saw, we would respond like heaven responded. And I want to encourage you this morning, if you're here and you are a follower of Jesus Christ, but maybe Christmas has again gotten kind of old to you, I want to remind you that if you can see what heaven saw that Christmas morning, then I believe God would like to rekindle in your heart a passion for what Christmas is really all about, that you might not just see it, but you might respond to it. Because if you know Jesus Christ, really, as that beautiful song says, every day is just like Christmas. It doesn't mean that every day is easy, but every single day we get to welcome for fresh the presence of God through Jesus Christ in our life. We, we, we have the gift of walking through the day knowing that the Lord is with us, that he knows those who are his. I just want to read you a snippet from the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2. We read in verse 8 onward that there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause a great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the one they have been longing for, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. This is how you will know it's him. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God. Glory to God in the highest heaven. And on earth, peace to those whom his favor rests. What did heaven see that day? I want you to think about that for a moment. I believe what heaven saw that day in the birth of Jesus Christ, when he was born into this world, they saw the answer to all of our problems. 
they saw the answer to all of our prayers. Now, men pray different ways. We have different needs. We come from different places. But I think that all of our prayers before Jesus came could be summed up in the words of the prophet Isaiah, who said these words some 700 years before Jesus came. He said in chapter 64, If only you would tear open the heavens and come down. That was the longing of men's hearts before Christ came. Oh God, if you'd only just tear open the heavens and come down. It's not unlike prayers that we prayed sometimes. Or perhaps those who don't know the Lord and are looking for the answer. I don't know how you see Christmas this morning. But I'm absolutely convinced that if we could see Christmas, what Christmas really is all about, from the perspective of what the angels saw that day, it would change everything. In fact, the Bible tells us in the verses we just read a moment ago that heaven was actually celebrating Christmas more exuberantly than anybody on earth that night. I mean, heaven itself was, was just celebrating. They were ecstatic. The angels were beside themselves in celebration. We see in the Scriptures, it says, as we just read from Isaiah, that for centuries, people had cried out to God about the problems that they were facing in their lives. People had asked questions like people still ask today. They had asked questions for centuries. If God is so loving, then why is He absent? In the midst of all the brokenness, in the midst of the disappointment, in the midst of the pain, the question was, and still is for those who don't understand that the Savior has come, the question is, where is God? If God is real, where is He? We certainly see God's love for His people in the history of the nation of Israel, time and time again, the Bible tells us, and history does the same, that they turned their back on God, but God remained faithful, and time and again, He would rescue them, He'd restore them. And yet, in all the signs and wonders that the people of Israel saw, there was still something missing. It wasn't complete. And maybe that's how you feel here this morning. If you don't know God, if you've come just out of reverence for the season, or you've come because of tradition or something that maybe you even enjoy doing. And there's a whole lot of things around you that you might see. You know, I see this and this and this and this. And maybe there's evidence for God, but I don't know. Something's still missing. I go to church or I kind of believe in God. I try to live a good life, whatever the case may be. But there's still something missing. Or maybe you're here as a follower of Christ this morning. But if you're really honest, you've, you've settled more for the religious part. You've settled more for the routines you know the lord is he, he's kind of you're aware of him but he's not really part of your life if that's you you might feel like well you know what this faith thing doesn't work and it's not that this faith thing doesn't work but the problem is is we don't keep christ the center we don't like any human relationship we don't cultivate or respond to the relationship that christ wants to have with us and so we begin to drift and after a while we think well i feel like i'm doing all the right things or i'm not doing the bad things but i still don't feel complete what's missing you know, people have long said that if God would just give me a sign, I would believe. Have you ever heard that before? Maybe thought that yourself? If, if God would just give me a sign, I'd believe. But what could God do? Suppose God did that. Just suppose, for example, we're all familiar with the Milky Way. The star systems would be billions of stars that make up the Milky Way in the night sky. Suppose that God was to take the Milky Way with all the stars and He was to just put together this sign, this message for the world. 
that God took all the stars and rearranged them. So it's spelled out a message that says, I really exist. God. Wouldn't that be cool? And then what if God that first night decided, I'm going to do this every night. So every single night, God rearranged the stars in the night sky to communicate a different message. I would say for the first while, probably every church on the planet would be full. Right? I, I mean, you know, there'd just be this whole new sense of reverence around the earth. People would realize, hey, there is a God. And, and every night they'd look up into the sky to see what he said. But eventually, I believe, somebody would look up in the sky one night, maybe after a few days, a few weeks, a few months, eventually somebody would look up in the sky, read another message, but then say to themselves, so what? So what if God exists? What difference does that make to my life? What difference does it make to where I am today? And the reality is the message probably wouldn't make a whole lot of difference anymore, and most of us would just return to our old way of life. You see, we all want proof. That's human nature. But we want more than just proof in the stars. We want more than just some kind of message. In fact, Jesus understood that when he ministered here on the earth. He understood, I can do signs and wonders all day. I can do miracles all day. And you might be impressed at first, and you might even be excited. You might even follow me for a ways. But he says, I know people's hearts. I know humanity. I know how fickle you are. I know eventually you'll get tired of that. Because as much as you think that's what you need, it's not what you need. That's why I came into this world. Not only to meet your need to the miracles that I do, but I understand that your greatest need is not just for some kind of miraculous proof. Your greatest need is a person. Your need is for relationship. We need to know that there's not just a God who can write messages in the skies, but there's a God who has a personal message for us, who knows me, who knows where I am, who knows the questions that I'm asking, and who can speak to me personally. And that's what Christmas is about. That's what the incarnation of God becoming a human being in the person of Jesus Christ is he is personally tailoring a message to you. He wants you to know that he is with us. We don't just need proof, we need a person. And maybe that's how you, you feel right now. Maybe you're here this morning and there's just an emptiness in your life whether it's because of a lack of relationship or some things you've gone through, or maybe you're here this morning and you've, you know, things have gone well this past year. You've had a good year, maybe financially, relationally, whatever. You've really enjoyed a lot of good things. You look back, but there's a sense in you that, is this all there is? And there's this haunting fear that maybe this is as good as it gets. And if it is as good as it gets, as much as you might be enjoying it, the problem is, well, then why do I still feel an emptiness? Why do I feel incomplete? Why do I feel like something is still missing? It's not as satisfying as I thought it would be. And getting back to our scripture, that's why on that first Christmas, the Bible says that heaven rejoiced. The Bible says that when the angel announced the good news to the shepherds, there appeared a multitude of the heavenly host praising God. The Greek word for host, the Greek language is the language the New Testament was written in. It's an interesting word. The word host in the Greek language is strati. We're familiar with the words like stratosphere and so on. Strati is also a word that speaks to heavenly bodies. 
And so when it's talking about the angel, this angelic host, it's communicating this idea that that set against the blackness of the midnight sky, that when the angels appeared, that they, they kind of filled that host. It's like the stars in the sky. They light up the night. Well, just think about this for a moment. If a host of angels can light up the night sky like the stars do, imagine what you get when you have a multitude of angelic hosts. Some of you might be familiar with this painting. It's from the early 1800s by Gustave Doré. Anybody see this before? You've seen some of the classic paintings or, or online. This is kind of the, the, the uh, image he gives of the angels appearing that night. And what he's saying is that when the angels appeared to the shepherds that night, they didn't just appear in this light that kind of faintly lit up the sky. They appeared in a way in such numbers, multitudes and multitudes of just like stars that the entire expanse of the sky was lit up as if it were day. It was just so bright and glorious as the angels appeared for just a few moments and they sang praise to God. And the shepherds were absolutely amazed by what they saw. And basically what the angels were doing is they were just God's birth announcement to the world that day that a Savior has come. Can you imagine being an angel, being one of those angels who knew man's predicament, who knew what, what God had created in the garden, how perfect it was, who knew what heaven is like and what God intends for man, how incredible our relationship with God can be, how loving, how awesome His presence is. They know that, and yet they see the darkness and the lostness and the war and the pain and the brokenness on the planet and then they see this plan go into action where God finally comes. He fulfills the prophecies. A Savior is born into this world. I believe the angels were absolutely beside themselves as they began to worship God and declare that this long-awaited moment has finally come in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus said as much about 30 years later when people came to hear him teach. He said, I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but they didn't see it. Many of them long to hear what you're hearing, but they didn't hear it. The birth of Jesus began a 30-year journey of Him revealing the true nature of God to those who really want it more. When you read the Gospels, when you study history, you see that the teachings of Jesus, the way He interacted with people, whether they were rich or poor, healthy, diseased, religious, agnostic, atheist, it didn't matter. What Jesus showed as he moved among people is that God associates with, God accepts every single person who will simply open their heart to him. Every single person, no matter what their social status, no matter what their sin, no matter what their brokenness, all it requires is a person who admits their need of him. That's all it is who just simply says, God, I don't have it all together. And I just invite you to come and to make me whole through a relationship with you. And then the Bible says Jesus allowed himself to be crucified for our sin. He died in our place. You know why? So we could find that missing thing. We could find that one thing that just seems to elude us every time. We search everywhere else and we think we're finally going to find the answer, but there's still an emptiness. And Jesus says that missing thing is the personal relationship 
with the God who made you, the God who loves you. It's a personal message to you. And that's what heaven was celebrating that night. The coming of Jesus Christ meant the coming of hope. It meant the coming of peace. It meant a coming of a way through the emptiness and the pain into a new life. I love the old Christmas carol, and I think this line sums it up beautifully. It says, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. And that's what heaven saw. I'm absolutely convinced this morning, if you could see Christmas as heaven saw Christmas, you would respond like heaven responded. If you're here this morning, you've never opened your heart to Jesus Christ. It's not about becoming religious. It's not about joining a church. It's about opening your heart to the person. It's about finding what you've been missing. It's a personal relationship with the God who made you, who loves you, and who sees the darkness, who sees the emptiness, who sees the struggle, the frustration. And it doesn't mean that we never experience those things again. The difference is this. Not that we have a bunch of rules to live by. The difference is now, in those times of struggle or darkness, we have light. We have light in the form of a person, our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who talks to us, who empowers us, who gives us wisdom and direction, who gives us comfort, who brings healing through a personal relationship with him. And this morning, I want to invite you to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. That's the greatest gift you can receive, and it's the greatest gift you can ever give to the Lord. And maybe you're with somebody who knows the Lord. If so, it's the greatest gift you could ever give to them. The Lord wants to come into your life this morning so that you can find new life. I'm going to pray a prayer, and I'm going to ask the musicians to join me as we conclude our service this morning. I'm going to pray a simple prayer. I'm going to ask you to pray with me. I'm going to ask everyone to pray with me. And as you do, if your heart's desire this morning is just to open your heart to the light of Christ. You may feel like, well, Pastor, I'm not ready to do that yet. That's okay. You just keep coming back. Keep, keep hearing the message. Allow the Lord to keep working on your heart. Allow him to keep revealing things, answering your question. He knows you're on a journey. But whether or not you're ready to receive him this morning, you can even open your heart and say, Lord, I understand it all. But I'm willing to at least acknowledge that I'm on the journey this morning. And I want you to lead me. I want you to show me things. I want you to move. I, I want to give you permission to move in my life to bring me to that place that I do understand, that I will understand one day. But this morning, if you're ready to do that, I want to invite you to pray with us. If we just bow our head and close our eyes for a moment, I'm going to pray a simple prayer just from my heart. And I want to invite all of us to pray after me. Would you do that? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Christmas and for what it means. I thank you for Jesus and for his light and for his life. I open my heart. I confess that I need you this morning. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Dispel the darkness. Bring me into your light and into your love. Wash me. Cleanse me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I want to walk in your ways because I know your ways are true. I accept you this morning as my Savior and as my Lord. I want to walk with you. I want to learn from you. I want to go into a new year 
with new hope and new freedom. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.